0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need
1: it. But you're gonna get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy is here. I am here. The show today presented by my bookie, two days away from the season opener, the Bills and the Rams. As I talked about yesterday, Tommy, the Bills have become the consensus favorite to win the Super Bowl. In some places, a pretty heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl. They open on Thursday night in SoFi against the defending champion Rams. Start your winning season at MyBookie. Whether you're a veteran bettor or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick. It's easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 into your account, and you can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games and props as you want. Uh, you got to use my promo code, KevinDC. That's KevinDC to claim that bonus But they've got all the prop bets, all the win totals for the season, all of the odds on winning divisions, on winning conference championships, on winning the Super Bowl, all of the week one odds, all of the player props, all of that stuff is up. Uh, You can predict the Super Bowl winner and more. Use the MyBookie prop builder um, to secure uh, some winnings as well. Your winning season begins today exclusively at MyBookie. Tommy and I were just talking about something right before the show, and this isn't the first time this has happened. Um, I definitely recommend for those of you that are going to wager, I recommend a shop like MyBookie. There are shops that I would not recommend, um, and I'm not going to get into the reasons why, um, but MyBookie has fair point spreads, fair pricing. Okay, You're not paying minus 140 on a straight bet loss, which some uh, legal sports uh, casinos do, sports books do. But Tommy and I were just talking before the show started, and I had just read this story in the post titled... Hold on, let me get the title of it. As sports betting goes mainstream, addiction experts are on high alert. It was written by Eric Adelson in the post... And I read this story. I think uh, Dan Steinberg retweeted it and I saw him retweet it and I read the story. And a lot of the stuff that I've suggested in recent years um, is, you know, a concern with legalized sports betting. And I will just tell all of you, yeah, I do a lot of sports book reads um, because sports books now, especially the legal ones, are paying big money to acquire customers. And, you know, content providers like what we do on this podcast, like what I do on the radio show, like what Tommy does in various things, it generates revenue. But I'm here to tell you that gambling, Tommy, isn't for everybody. You know, one of my favorite things that my friends and I say when we're in Vegas or when we're leaving Vegas down a lot of money, you know, Las Vegas, it's not for everybody, And you have to recognize going into this, if you haven't done it before, if you have done it before, you know, the pitfalls, you've know, you know, the horror stories, but if you can't do this in moderation, you know, and you're not a moderation person and you can't afford to do it, you shouldn't do it because it is addictive. It can be very addictive. It can also add incredible fun and drama and entertainment to your sports viewing uh, life. And if you view it in that context, hey, I've got this amount of money and I don't mind losing it for the purposes of enhancing the overall, you know, entertainment value, that's a healthy attitude. Ted Leonsis, you know, telling you two years ago, that with all of the data out there and with as many smart people as he knows that you can turn this into you know sort of a second you know professional career is incredibly naive or disingenuous um and this story which you know i wasn't going to start with but because i just read that spot to kick off the show i just as i was reading it i'm like god damn you're a hypocrite um with what you were just saying to tommy but i do you know I don't know. I understand the risk here. And I think a lot of people who haven't done it, they don't understand the risk.
2: Look, part of it, I mean, the bigger question here is the idea of legalized sports betting now being something that is easily obtainable for people is, should you deny a pleasure or vice, depending on your word to use, to a whole population of people who can handle it, because of a small population who can't.
1: Yes, that's fair.
2: And I always say, no, you shouldn't deny that. I mean, you just should. You shouldn't. I mean, this is this is you know this this the whole argument with marijuana uh, legalization and and other legalizations of, of of this nature is that yeah there is there is a small group of people that that. That are affected by this significantly, but for the, the general population, can gamble without losing their house.
1: Yes, I, I agree with everything you said. I think the problem that I have had over the last couple of years, going back to you know when the news broke that this was going to be a, you know a state by state decided issue, the legalization of sports betting is the presentation of it by some that this comes with no risk. In fact, it comes with great opportunity. You know, you've been such a smart, analytically driven sports fan. now you can put those skills to use and turn it into a second income, if not a first income. And for 99.999%, of the people that do this, even those that those that don't become addicted to it, they can't turn it in to a, a second income or a first income.
2: So the problem, really, and I know this is this is this is a strange uh, path we're walking down here, you know. Okay, the problem then is the marketing of it, not necessarily the product itself. It's the sale of it.
1: I think it's... how is it sold? Yeah, go, okay. ahead. You know, go ahead. This go is ahead. why I
2: always had a problem with the lottery. I was all in favor of lotteries, but I've always had a real problem with the advertising to entice you to buy the lottery tickets. You know, I always thought that just knowing the lottery exists for people who want to play the lottery would be good enough, because it used to be good enough when there were just numbers. You know, and there was no legal lottery. People knew how to play the numbers, and they knew which number would win. There was no advertising. Right. And I, so I do have a problem with the advertising to entice people to, to do this, because sometimes, it, it, just like you said, uh, the message uh, is, is misleading and damaging. Uh, so that, that's a whole different issue.
1: Well no, I mean uh,
2: not cool. that's where the money is in the advertising.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand when you said we're going down this path because obviously I in this and this podcast and the radio station that I work for and every sports content provider is accepting money from those in the, you know, gambling space. I, I would just oh, I, I, I mean
2: everyone's they're lining up around the block. Yeah, I would and make, I'd be right there with
1: them. I would make this distinction between um the lottery and sports betting. The lottery, you know, advertises to get you to play, whereas the sports casinos advertise to get you to play with them. It's such a crowded space. There are so many providers out there that right now we're in that stage of Something that's, you know, new and, you know, Wild Wild West description to it uh, is is fair where they are spending gobs of money in a land grab. They are trying to get as many customers as they can because they understand the lifetime value of a customer. You know, it does, it, at this point, the the ex- extraordinary costs in acquiring a customer relationship are almost immaterial to these companies because if they get enough of them, they understand that the lifetime value of one customer exceeds the cost to acquire that customer. Why? Because they and know eventually they're is, going to win. The house is going to win. Um, and this is the
2: time to 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 to. Dig for those customers because everyone's digging. There, there's a limited amount of customers, and everyone's digging for those customers. Everyone's competing for those customers. At some point, there'll be a winnowing of the field, and there won't be as many sports books out there available because the customers would have pretty much lined up with who they're
1: going to play with. Yeah, although let me just make this case, and I've made this case before with actually some of the providers that I've talked to over the years that always want exclusivity to um, you know, their relationship with the content provider. Most people who do this would benefit if they're going to do this and give themselves the best chance at not losing a lot rather, see the way I put that, right? Because I think I usually put it that way versus give you the best chance of winning, but really it's more or less the best chance of not getting crushed is to have multiple casinos, multiple sportsbook options so you can get the best possible line, the best possible price, you know? And by the way, with all of the promotions that all of them are giving out, keep taking advantage of one promotion after another to sign up. I mean, the my bookie promotion right now, there aren't many people doubling your first deposit. You know, there are I mean, I don't think the big boys are doing that anymore. There are very few places you can go right now where you deposit 250 and they put 500 into your account to play with. They're giving you you know 250 bucks. But but back to um what you when you said uh, we're walking down a, a tough path here, what you said was specific more to the advertising and the marketing of, and, and your disagreement as it relates to the lottery that just having it available was good enough for you, but promoting it over and over again was kind of like you know promoting cigarette smoking through all of those, those years. It wasn't good for your health, but it was legal. Um, what I was really talking about was more or less just the presentation of people who should know better that this is easy money. This is a really cool thing to do. No, it can be a lot of fun. And to your point, most people don't have an issue with it. But there is a risk that you could develop an issue with it. And so when I hear people who are super naive to sports betting talk about the opportunity now that everybody has because sports betting is here and it's legal, that just has, as you know from the jump, that's rubbed me the wrong way. Because the opportunity, what opportunity? To in- increase the entertainment value? Yes. To win money and to create a, 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 another source of personal income? No. No. Here's a um, a quote from this story. This is not what we intended to do. We're going to get to Carson Wentz. We're going to get to a lot of uh, of other things today on the show, including Francis Tiafo, who beat uh, Rafael Nadal yesterday. And I wanted to talk about that. Um, one of the, the the themes to this story uh, is that it's it's. Easier to bet than ever. Not just that people who didn't bet before have access to it, but because of the online element, you know, you don't have to. Now, I've been betting online forever, so it was super easy for me. But, you know, there used to be, you know, a couple of hurdles that you had to clear. You know, you had to show up at a sports book. In Jersey or Vegas, you had or you had to find a book. You had to pick up the phone and call the book. You had to place in the online element and the ease is speeding up the betting. And it's creating more betting and more likelihood, they believe, of addiction. This is Brianna Dora Schwal, a responsible gambling expert. And I don't know where she works. Quote, The public crisis is already here in the United States and just bubbling under the surface. We basically have poured kerosene on it by legalizing it without giving it significant attention. It's only going to become more prominent and more severe in its presentation. Um, What experts have found is that sports betting creates problems worse than traditional casino and card gambling. And by the way, I guess you'd throw lottery into that as well, well, but they didn't in, in the story. People who bet on sports often believe they have an edge because they follow the teams. You know, or the sport. The random bounce of the football or blown referee call doesn't tend to factor into a bettor's belief system. Psychologically, it's a little different. You're not necessarily betting to make money. You're betting to make yourself look smarter. And that can bring on more problems when a bet goes awry, according to one study in Addictive Behaviors Journal. Sports betting, quote, relative to non-sports betting, has been more strongly linked to gambling problems and cognitive distortions related to illusion of control control, probability control, and interpretive control. The illusion of control may be enhanced even further by the rapid use of technology in the bet by 5G era. There's no extra step of physically withdrawing cash from an ATM, driving to the casino, or even waiting for a blackjack table dealer. The rapid advance of this technology has allowed gambling operators to figure out a lot about customers, when they bet, how much they bet, whom they bet on. And addiction experts maintain that the companies have a responsibility to use that data to help keep bettors from becoming addicts. Yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on. And a lot of, by the way, um, sports uh, betting uh, uh, entities like DraftKings and others are spending a lot of money. A lot of money, because they're making a lot of money. They're spending a lot of money um, towards making sure that there are addiction and counseling services available. The NFL has as well. Anyway, whatever. I think we're starting to bore people. That's my sense. I just think... Well, it, but, but, yeah, go ahead. But
2: here's the thing. It's the, it's, the tech, it's the technology that's frightening. That's what's really frightening. I mean, the, mo, mo, A lot of the free world has been betting on sports for a very long time. And they haven't collapsed, okay? Uh, the United States, in its Puritanic background, is, is you know, it's been slow to it, but it's the tech, its coming at the time that the technology has exploded. I think it's the real frightening part, and we're, I'll be real curious to see uh, how a generation grows up with sports betting and this kind of technology, because I don't know about. Your, your kids and your, and your kids' friends. They all bet. But in the, class, in the classes I teach at Georgetown, it's remarkable how many bet on sports. I
1: know. They all do. It's remarkable. And, yeah. you know, for those of you out there listening, and I would include myself into this, those that have, you know, gone to the school of hard gambling knocks, you know the downside. We all can tell stories. I've told stories on this show. You know, I told the story Tommy right about my my college buddy who you know ended up you know dropping out of college and went you know I didn't hear from him for eight like seven years after he basically took off with you know a, a, a many thousand dollar gambling debt and left me with with the bag holding the bag, and I've got other stories that are even worse. Um, fortunately, knock on wood, I have for whatever reason. I've always been a fairly measured gambler myself, not necessarily in moderation. Look, I've gotten in trouble before when I was much younger where I was down money that I really couldn't afford to lose. So I have felt that before, and everybody has. Everybody's felt that you know, sick feeling of, oh, my God, I owe more to the book than I actually can come up with. You know, especially when you're younger. And then the idea that Monday night football is going to save you with a two-team parley, a two-team tease, and, you know, a straight bet and everything else that's that's offered. Um, Because chasing when you're down, there's nothing worse. This story, by the way, opens up with this. If boxing icon Floyd Mayweather ever fights again, maybe Jeff Umali will place a bet. And maybe when a huge sporting event rolls around, like the Super Bowl, the 39-year-old will wager a few bucks. But that's it. And he says, quote, I've learned my lesson. Closed quote. Umali's lesson came a few years ago when he started placing a daily bet on an online poker game. It seemed like a relatively harmless pastime for a short while. It was 50- $100, $150. 100 a $150. Then one night I sat at home and added it up. I lost 10 grand in three months. Looking back, you is still alarmed at how fast he was hooked. He says he felt addicted within a week. You see it's legal, you try it, and then boom, you're addicted. Um, I, I would just say I'm not being an alarmist here, and what Tommy said is true. You know, for most, the significant majority of people, and the significant majority of you that do this, You do it with great control and great understanding of this isn't a career. You know, you have your real job. You're not quitting your real job. Um, But I just, you know, from the jump when I, you know, I knew, Tommy, there's a reason a lot of people. Remember when you said to me when I said I'm getting bored of gambling and you said, yeah, because it's not cool anymore. And you kind of nailed it. Like there's not it's not considered taboo. Or edgy anymore. Now that everybody that never had access to it is doing it, and by the way, they're all insufferable because they've all got all the answers. Just ask them. And I and it's one of the reasons yeah. that I I really am not as interested in gambling anymore. I love the games, and I I will tell you that last football, uh, you know, college football weekend number one, I was back on board <laughs> because it's just you know it's it's almost become habit. Um, but I have definitely. Um, See, I definitely have had this sense that those that didn't seek out the access and didn't want it enough and didn't understand it enough. And now that it is available to them and they're doing it, they actually may be more vulnerable. And maybe I'm projecting here something that's not true. I'll tell you where I would project most of the vulnerability is on, you know, the Ted Leonsis kind of crowd, those really smart people that think that they can actually, with analytics and data, they can actually create an income out of this. Because again, 99.9999% of those people won't. And that doesn't mean that somebody won't have a good season here or there. I've had some really good seasons over the years. Some seasons in which the book looked at me like, yeah, I'm going to have to – I've told you this. I got limited in college ba- basketball betting by three different books for four years. I couldn't bet the, my, the, the normal size because I was killing them. But you know what? They didn't need to limit me because over another four-year period, I gave it all back and some. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's really – that's the way it goes. Anyway um, – One last thing.
2: Yeah. This, This was a Post story that you talked about, right? Yes. Okay. A couple of days ago, there was a story in the Washington Post about how the state of Maryland has been slow to adapt its legalized sports betting. Right. And one of the reasons for that was because they want to make sure it's inclusive, that they want to make sure that they give licenses to minorities uh, and make sure that you know minority businesses have a chance at these sports betting licenses, which is laudable, uh, except for the fact that most studies show that uh, gambling is a bigger problem among minorities.
1: Well, there's another piece to this, and I didn't read the story, but... I had this guy on the show, and I'm forgetting his name right now, but he was on the show a few weeks ago. We had this conversation about the expense to actually acquire a license in Maryland. Like, I think the application itself is $100,000, or something really expensive, or maybe it's the license that is. And the bottom line is because of the big-time players like DraftKings and FanDuel and and BetMGM and all the big players, these one-off operators, as they wait to be more inclusive and more diverse, they're they're not going to make money, more likely than not. I see what you're saying. You know, is is that, you know, minorities, that that, that's the concern is that, you know, they're essentially creating the opportunity for, you know, more minority betting. But I'm talking about the operators themselves. I think there are 60 available. I am too. Yeah.
2: I'm talking about how ironic it is that they're bending over backwards to create minority opportunities for operators when it turns out that, I'm looking at a story right here, studies have consistently reported High rates of problem gambling among racial and ethnic minorities compared to whites. So they're bending over backwards to help these minorities, and I don't have a problem with that, to take money out of their own people's pockets.
1: Well, and again, to potentially create uh, give an opportunity to somebody as a smaller operator to not be able to make it work to lose, because yeah. there i think the, the guy I, i'm i'm i got to remember the conversation in detail i remember being very interested in in this guy he covers sports gambling you know state by state and i can't remember his name now i've got it written down somewhere he was excellent as a guest but i think he told me that there were 60 available licenses you know, because it was the day that that Snyder was, you know, in front of the Maryland legislative, you know, thing, getting right. the um, this, this sports uh, betting uh, at FedEx field. And he said, you know, there are 60 licenses available in the state, but they probably it won't all be used because they're very expensive. And then the chances for these one off operators without big brand recognition of actually, you know, making it are not real high. Not to mention, you've got the the, the significant significant startup expenses, and then are you going to have enough customers to make those startup expenses worthwhile? And then, by the way, Tommy, and this is true with anybody that decides that being the house is the best thing to be, which it is. It's better than being a a better. Um, And now, by the way, it's legal if you do it the legal way and get a license. But remember this, you have to be well-funded enough to be able to cover losses, if you start off and you open up and somehow get pounded those first three weekends, because that happens to books. They understand that if they can weather the storm, if there is a storm, they're going to eventually win and make money down the road. But you've got to be funded uh, and have enough um, uh, that you can pay off uh, the winners if they win. The, you know, and, and it happens. You know, you follow sports betting. Every once in a while, there's a weekend where Vegas gets crushed by the public. Now, overall, they win and they always will because there's a VIG there. You know, you pay minus 110 on a loss on most losses and you only make 100 on a win. Um, but, you know, you, you can get crushed in a, in a given weekend. So these uh, look, I looked into this a little bit before having this guy on the show. Because I've had a couple of ideas with sports gambling as it relates to here locally, and but I was curious really as to what the business model looked like for these smaller operators, and there's a shitload of risk, not to mention really extraordinarily high startup expenses. So what you just does that mean
2: we're not going to do? We're not going to do no. Kevin and Tom's sports book. No, remember so?
1: this is this is the conversation that it morphed into. Remember a few weeks ago when we had it. No, yes. we're not going to do that because first of all, you wouldn't be able to participate, nor would I necessarily. We'd have to go out and raise the money for the you know a hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollar application fee, and then the license, whatever that is. I I think basically you need a half million to a million to launch this legally. And by the well, way, unless you've got mobile betting, which isn't available right now in Maryland, you really are in trouble because you've got to have mobile betting because what are we going to do, build a little, you know, sports fix bar and tell everybody yes. to hoof it out yes. to Frederick? Um, I don't yes. think so. <laughs> we would have so People, much fun. if you fun.
2: build it, they will come.
1: Um... OPM, brother, other other people's money. That's what we would have to use for this one, so we can just kick back at our bar, do our show, drink some beers, smoke some cigars, eat some pizza and wings, and just you know enjoy the company.
2: I think this is a GoFundMe
1: account <laughs> right here in the making. Yeah, uh-uh. I'm not I'm not up for that. I, I I got enough risk with this podcast right now um, <laughs> to take on another one. Uh, anyway, um, I did have a quick story to tell you, and I don't even know what to say about it, but my wife is concerned about me. I, I went to the store yesterday and I, I, I came home and, um, I opened up my wallet and I'm like, where's my credit card that I used? I know where I, where I used it and I clearly lost it. And so, um... I I, this is by the way now I mean this is going to sound like Chris Cooley who loses everything all the time and I used to make fun of him all the time Um, but he's absent-minded and I usually have not been absent-minded as a person but I think I've become I don't know what's going on but my wife is concerned so I I lost the credit card I called American Express I, I reported it as a lost card and they said we'll send you a new card and this is the third time I asked them, and they said, yeah, this is the third time in, in the last 18 months that, we, that we've issued you a new card for a lost or stolen card. I knew this one wasn't stolen. I knew it was lost because I had it at the store that I was at, and then I realized when I got home I didn't have it. And I searched everywhere. I, you know, because uh, it, usually it'll fall in between, like, you know, the seat, the car seat, you know, out of my pocket, and or it's, it's in some stuff in, in the bags. I may have put it in the bags that the, uh, the groceries were in that I had bought, but it wasn't anywhere, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and so I, re- I called, and I reported it as a lost card. And then this morning, when I got up to go to work, and I got to work, I have this little, you probably have one in your car, you know, these little compartments. You know, this one's just uh, on the front dashboard, lower left area. It's a little pull-down compartment that I put my key card into to get into the building, to get into my studio. And when I took that card out this morning to head into the studio very early this morning, there were two cards in that compartment. (laughs) There was the key card and the credit card. Oh god. So I actually Oh god. So I actually <laughs> okay. so I told my wife and she said, "You're losing it. What she, what in God's name is going on? This you never this stuff never used to happen to you. Why is it happening now?" And I told her I said um, when I called American Express, I go, "They told me it was the third time in like 18 months that I've been issued a new card." And and they I you can't go back once they've reported it as lost or stolen you can't use it again that's that yeah. number's been discontinued so yeah. you know I, I don't know what's going on I think personally you, you, what go ahead no you go ahead no, i was going to suggest that
2: maybe somebody is gaslighting you what do you mean In other words, taking the card out of your wallet <laughs> no and hiding it and making you think that you lost it yeah. and then putting it back
1: you know <laughs> to
2: later so. on i, I mean this 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 sounds like a gaslighting thing kevin
1: i don't think so who would who would want to do that would my wife want to do that I to me know. i don't think so i don't i don't know i don't, I don't
2: know i'm just saying
1: <laughs> i don't think that's you know that's if this so.
2: isn't like you and this is something that's happening and you're questioning yourself Now that that sounds like you know, it sounds like
1: gaslighting. I, I think that, and I've read a little bit about this because I think I, I, I got, a, it's not that I got concerned, but I started to wonder the last time I lost the card. And by the way, remember, I misplaced my keys a few weeks ago. That was an issue <laughs> with the keys. And I And I did a lot of reading online. And you know that I don't sleep enough. Lack of sleep really is unhealthy. And I sleep maybe four to four and a half hours a night. On a good night, five to five and a half. And that's not enough. And, and combine that with the fact that... I shouldn't say that. Like, last night I slept six hours. I was a, I, I was asleep by 10.30 and up at 4.30. The, which, you know, six hours isn't terrible. I don't think it is. I think most people our age are supposed to get seven or eight. Or your age, probably even more. Um, but I... I think that that's what it is. I think it's you know I'm getting hey, older and I'm the lack the one. and the lack of sleep.
2: I'm not the one who's losing my cards. I know. So don't be saying <laughs>
1: your age. Uh, but yeah, my wife was like, she said to me, "What is wrong with you? You need to go ch- get checked out." The, and 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 then of course she starts talking about um the morning show. And uh, you know the hours, which you know, whatever uh, people get up a lot earlier she, than I do for much harder jobs. Um,
2: did she use the words power of attorney?
1: <laughs> no, she did not use power of attorney. Okay. She did All not. Right. She did not want me to sign something giving her power of attorney okay. at this point. Okay. At this point, okay. I do think that might All be right. that might be in our in our will in our living will. Um, but uh, I, she she has not asked for that to be uh exercised right now okay um okay we got some sports to get to i have a question to ask you uh ron rivera said something about carson wench yesterday that i want to play uh bruce allen as we speak is testifying in front of the house oversight and reform committee they're back from vacation and they're back after this organization right in time for the regular season we'll get to a lot of this stuff right after these words from a few of our sponsors
0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. So you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash blue wire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash blue wire. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash blue wire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: So as we're recording uh, the podcast, uh, Bruce Allen apparently by Zoom is testifying in the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Their investigation into um, the allegations of you know widespread sexual harassment uh, within the commander's organization. Uh, The committee um, put out a statement, quote, The committee is continuing to investigate the decades-long workplace misconduct at the Washington Commanders and the NFL's failure to address it. Mr. Allen served in senior roles under team owner Dan Snyder for many years, so his testimony is important for the committee to fully understand these serious issues and advance reforms to protect workers in the future, closed quote. Well, you know, just in time for the regular season, but I'm assuming it's because Congress is back, you know, after Labor Day, which is the timing of it. But, you know, right in time for games, which, by the way, Tommy, is the best thing for the organization is that there's a game this weekend and this isn't happening in July or August. But I am curious as to what Bruce Allen will say, because there is no doubt. He knows where the berries are, uh, bodies are buried. In fact, it's very possible he's the one that buried many of them in those places. I mean, this could actually it, it, be I, really uh, interesting.
2: It really could. I mean, hes it's a real difficult situation for one thing. Personally, I think we both know that Bruce has nothing but contempt for those people who he's going to be testifying in front of. Certainly the I Democrats. Mean,
1: the Democrats for sure. Yes.
2: Yeah. So he he could, I mean, so this whole thing is distasteful, but it's also, he's in a blood feud with Dan Snyder. He had to go, he had to fight for money he was owed, okay? Uh, So there is a blood feud going on. So he has a real chance to hurt Snyder here. But let's remember, the committee is also looking into supposedly the emails between John Gruden and Bruce Allen. That's what they're also looking into. So he could put himself at risk some way by, if they ask, ask him questions about those emails, about stuff that could be damaging to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, I, here's the thing. I don't know what it t- what took them so long to get Bruce, um, you know, there uh, and and speaking in front of them. Uh, he would have been when Snyder was ducking them on his boat, uh, ducking them on his boat in in Europe. Um, I, I think they should have, you know, had Bruce, but I think they felt like the big fish was Dan, and and Dan obviously, you know, they they hooked him in a situation where they had to throw him back because there just wasn't any meat on the boat. And so, and we still don't know what he said. We don't, but I think if there had been any bombshells, we'd know by now. That's my guess. Okay. But, but what, what do you feel differently?
2: I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't come to any conclusion like that.
1: Um, so, I don't know what Bruce will say. Bruce knows a lot. And the bottom line here is Bruce and Dan hate each other, hate each other. And whomever leaked those Gruden emails with with Bruce Allen uh, on the other end of several of those emails, um, you know, it would not surprise me if Bruce believes that Dan had something to do with that. And I don't know if that's – we still don't know, and maybe we will know. You know, unless this case with the NFL settles, um, if it goes to – you know, if if Gruden gets his wish and a lot of this stuff ends up becoming discovery – because it sounds like John Gruden's ready to take down everybody associated with this, yeah. uh but um Bruce uh, it, it, I, I'm in many ways I'm more interested in what Bruce has to say than Dan because Bruce may go after Dan. Bruce is awfully political though, like he's not gonna be you know. Uh, he, uh, I mean, it's very possible he's going to say the same thing Dan said reportedly or ass- uh, we assumed, and that was, you know, I I really don't know. That wasn't me. But remember, part of what you know, Dan's testimony may have included was, yeah, that was Bruce. And again, I, I will repeat for the hundredth time, it's just so amazing to me that they haven't figured out that for most of the allegations – from the women in this toxic workplace they all happened before bruce even got there (laughs) they were all pre-2010 not all of them most of those allegations in the post stories most of those women who uh, alleged to have been um, sexually mistreated those were all pre-bruce in 2010 but the snyder camp and the team hasn't yet figured out that people can put the math together when he says well i wasn't involved that much you know that was that was more bruce well bruce wasn't there pal champ yeah for most of yeah. it that was when you and you apparently were at your most involved pre bruce you know you and vinny that era uh i have no idea what'll come out of this but i think it's more interesting i think in many ways what could come out of bruce's testimony is more interesting than what, what will come out of Dan's, because I'm sure with Dan sitting there with lawyers that he basically just said, I don't know, to most of the questions, or a lot of them.
2: So, but, so, and you think having the football game on Sunday is, is uh, a distraction from all this?
1: But you definitely. For the team?
2: Okay. What do you think? I guess so. I mean, let's, let's count them up here for a second. Mm-hmm. One. To the Virginia Attorney General, the D.C. Attorney General, the Oversight Committee in Congress, the FTC, the NFL, which has two investigations going on into the team, and the NFLPA. All these investigations are going on as we speak. And the NFL has two because of them, along with the NFLPA, are looking into whether or not Ryan Vermillion was doing dirty with, with uh, right. Washington football players right. as well.
1: And then the Mary Jones. So they're White looking
2: said. into that. Yes. So th- that's stunning when you think about That's almost the, a whole side of a football team right there. That's seven different events. And we don't even know if the Maryland Attorney General is actually looking into anything or not. He's never come out and said he, he is. People have assumed he is, but he's never come out and said it. That would make eight Three more and you've got one side of a football team.
1: You know, you you just reminded me, because I do believe that this, the timing of this is much better for the team with the regular season, you know, starting on Sunday and the games starting, and that's what people care about the most. But it wouldn't surprise me if the results of some of those investigations – Essentially, come out sort of on Sunday morning before the games kick off. You know, Adam Schefter's got the results of the Mary Joe White investigation, and somebody else has the results of the Ryan Vermillion thing. And basically, it's you know, here's what it is. And by the way, the, you know, uh, Washington right now a three and a half point favorite over Jacksonville in the opener, and kickoff is well, an hour time away.
2: To, I think the time to do that is the Friday news dump time.
1: The Friday news More dump, than dump you know, morning. yeah, whatever. Um, here's my one suggestion again to everybody out there. And I know many people out there listen to this podcast. Just don't create this idea that you're the victim in this. Don't tell us about the two years of HR improvements. Don't have Tanya, you know, go on an Adam Schefter podcast um, and claim that her family has just, you know, her, their lives have just been so difficult, you know, over the last couple of years. Just let everybody else do the talking. You know, focus on winning games on the field and not embarrassing yourself off of it. Don't ask for people to forget all of this as if it's such a distant past. Because too much of what's happened hasn't been the distant past. You know, as we know, and as we've been sitting here documenting for the last year, you know, the Sean Taylor weekend, the rollout of 222. By the way, for God's sakes, that fight song that is the slow version of the new fight song, I mean, shoot that thing already. They played it apparently at the welcome home luncheon, and people were looking around going, What is this? Have you heard that yet, Tommy?
2: I have not heard that That really oh, doesn't interest me.
1: It's so awful. It doesn't interest me that much either, but I can't believe that somebody actually think that thinks that sounds good. Um, you know, we had the ninety greatest exclusion of Trent Williams and then putting him back on. Like, don't come out and tell us about how great you've been for two years about how every other team in the league is calling all of you guys to find out, you know, uh, to, to to get best business practices from all of you. Um, just focus on winning more games than you lose this year and not having another major embarrassment off the field. That's what I would suggest discuss, to all of them out there.
2: Did we discuss, like, those comments that Jason Wright made uh, a couple weeks ago before the Carolina game yeah, to the media? Yeah,
1: of course. Uh, we did.
2: And, and when he said, we're in a really good spot, yeah. sales are going yeah. incredibly well, we've got other teams calling us to figure out. Did we also take into consideration that conversation could have went, Jason, how the hell are you selling anything to anybody down there? You know?
1: Yeah. No, we did. We we, we talked about it. We said, okay. like, th- this is... I
2: mean, because because this is this is... We've got other teams calling us to figure out how we're do- what we're doing, which really could have basically meant, you know, somebody call up and say, I can't believe you're selling anything to anyone.
1: Yeah, Even right. You
2: sold one suite. Yeah.
1: Well, I said yesterday on the podcast, the guy in town that should get much more credit than he's already getting for just being an incredible salesman and recruiter is Mike Loxley. Did you see how many people were at the Maryland game on Saturday against Buffalo? No. some of the shots and look I, I said this on the pod yesterday look I didn't go to the game uh, and and I love Maryland football and I've been talking up Maryland football I'm gonna go to the SMU game in a couple of weeks um, but the, the the shots of the stadium in the second half I mean I don't think there were three four five thousand people in the crowd and it was hot and the opener was Buffalo and last year the opener was, was West Virginia. But my god, if you saw some of the stadiums on Saturday for the opening weekend of college football and you see the excitement, like how can you out-recruit some of the schools he's out recruiting when you see packed houses and just, you know, raucous crowds on Labor Day weekend for college football. And then you've got yeah. what he had in College Park on Saturday. He's one hell of a recruiter. But to your point, They're coming to Jason Wright saying, "God, with that owner and with all the shit that's going on, how have you tell us how you've sold even one club seat package? Because we want to learn from that." And I might want to
2: point out, (laughs) and I might want to point out, they're doing so. They're so good at selling these suites and
1: sponsorships
2: that whenever they get their new stadium, they've turned over that that duty to Jerry Jones's uh, company uh, business legends. Yeah, legends. They're going to sell their suites. And their sponsorships. Here's the other thing that I think got glossed over. Hmm. I mean, this was like a, a, this was like Don King hyperbole before a fight. I don't really. I just was revisiting all this. What he said be, after the Carolina game. You know, they they never replaced Anheuser Busch as a major beer sponsor.
1: <laughs> right, but they okay. have all these other beers now. It's better. They have
2: all these other yeah. beers. Uh-huh. You know, craft brews. Right. And someone pointed out to me, Michael Breweries. Means micro dollars.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true. You know? I, yeah.
2: Mean, th- I mean, I it, mean, it's just amazing that they that they they're going into the season without a major beer sponsor.
1: As an NFL team, yes. Uh, but but I but look I, on i wouldn't be offering this up is is and that's what i said a few weeks ago but if somebody asked me about a beer sponsor i would present it the same way he's presenting it you try to put the the best positive spin on it no we don't have one we've got all of these different options for for all of the fans coming out including some great craft beers of course they'd rather have a replacement for anheuser-busch a massive deal you know a seven figure deal um, done. Uh. But, you know, this is, you know, part of when we talked about the Forbes valuations. Forget the valuations. Look at the revenue, Um. you know, uh, differences between a team like Dallas and Washington and most teams in Washington. Washington's in like the bottom third, bottom fourth in overall. You know, revenue generated, which means, you know, after the TV and the media dollars, they're just they're, they're not holding up their end, especially for a market this size. The only markets that are generating less in revenue are small market teams, you know, Nashville yeah. and and, uh, and 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 some others. But, um, no, look, I I just when we talked about this, I gave you the Rudy analogy. I said, you know, when Rudy says to era Sijan. I, I want to dress for one game because the guys back in the milk can't see me. They don't believe that I'm on the team. They can't come to practice every day. That's what I would just say to them, which is I don't doubt that your HR department is light years better than it was two years ago. I don't doubt, and, and I'll give you kudos for having a better workplace environment for your employees, but we can't see that. We can't come to your building and see that you've got great HR. We see 14 and 19 over two years. We see the Sean Taylor thing being butchered seven ways to Sunday. We see Trent Williams on this list being excluded. We see a a, a lack of energy on a rollout of a new name. We, We see all of these other things. These are the things we see. Improve those things before you ask us for a pat on the back for the other things. Because people, people can't see those things. And again, I don't want to minimize the fact that I believe and I do. That Jason Wright and some of the people that have come on board, Ron Rivera included, that they recognized that there were some there was an arrogance in that organization. There was a lack of human resources. There was a treatment of people that had become that stemmed really from the owner's treatment of people and people, you know, took that direction, other higher ups, and you know, and, and that was the case there for a long period of time. And I bet it's a much better place to work. In in part because I think Ron Rivera deep down is a good person, and I think Jason Wright is too. Um, And I think they understood what was going on there. Jason Wright's been in a lot of different companies, worked with a lot of different companies. He knows, even though he's never managed until he got this job, he knows what a a good work environment looks like in a good company. And he saw the, the shit show that was the organization that he arrived to two years ago. But you can't be upset with criticism um and and lack of of props uh, uh, over your hr improvements you got to win on the yeah. field and you got to take take care of the big public relations things better than you than you have over the last 2 years all right um i wanted to ask you a question yesterday we did a best case worst case show what's your best case record for the commanders in the upcoming season what's your worst case record for the commanders, I my best case, my, my, the highlight of my answer, I think, was that I had a pretty high floor. I don't think that they're going to win less than seven games. In part, Tommy, because Ron Rivera really never has. Well, he he went he went six and ten twice in a sixteen game season, but his teams never quit on him. They never implode. You know, it's one of the strengths of him. He he's an outstanding leader. And, you know, I don't play the schedule game that much, but it is a different schedule than the one they had last year. So I think the floor is high, 7-10, but I didn't go super high on the best case. I said 9-8, and and my reasoning is, look, Carson Wentz may be an upgrade, but he was on a really good team last year that was well-coached, good organization, and, and also in a bad division, and they still only won nine games. So what is your best case and worst case?
2: Well, I would say my best case would be 10 wins, 10 and 7. Okay. My worst case, and uh, I'm considering it right now, is uh, (laughs) five five wins.
1: Five wins? Okay. So five five and 12 uh, and 10 10 and
2: 7. Worst case? They open the season zero and five.
1: That's your worst case. Yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Do you think there's well, a chance? I could
2: see them. I think there's the chance they could lose to Jacksonville and, and Detroit. hmm
1: And then to the the Eagles, Cowboys, and the, Titans. The Eagles. Can you, hold on? Yeah. We don't have to get to zero and five. Imagine this this segment, and I did this segment on, on the radio this morning, and and people seem, you know pretty optimistic on the high side and fairly optimistic on the low side. I think there's more optimism. But can you imagine what that call segment would sound like if they lose to Jacksonville on Sunday if we did the oh. same
2: thing on Monday morning? You know what? There is, there's not a color in the code chart for a loss to Jacksonville. You know how Jay Gruden came up with code, code red?
1: <laughs> yeah. There's,
2: the, there's not a color that exists if they lose their home opener to what was the worst team in football last year. Uh, Uh, The team that turned around and beat Carson Wentz the last time Carson Wentz was on the field.
1: Yeah. If they lose to Jacksonville, you know, I don't, I personally wouldn't think that the season is like in deep trouble because again, Rivera has a history of the teams that he coaches improving and getting better as the season goes along. And his first two teams here, you know, the team in 2020 that made the playoffs as a seven and nine team um, that started two and six or whatever last year's team, which was two and six and then won four straight games in late November and December. And the truth is they would have probably won another game or two down the stretch. Had they not had all the injuries and the COVID issues. Um, So uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't. And by the way, I believe Jacksonville's probably much improved from where they, they were last year. So if they lose on Sunday, I personally am not going to say the season's over, but I think it would be horrible for them if it happened because many people will bail. And for them, as I've talked about many times over the last year, the key for them in this first year with the new brand and the new everything is to win and to be a contender because. They've they got people that are never coming back, and now they're tapping into a new market as kind of an expansion field team, a startup business, and those things don't work unless your first experience with it is good. You know, new restaurant, you go in, that first meal better be good or you're not coming back. This feels very yeah. much like a startup, and so if they don't provide a good product, a winning contending product, um, they're in, in, a, in a heap of trouble. You know, moving beyond this year now, and, yeah. all
2: that said, I think they're gonna beat Jacksonville. I think they're gonna win. I think they'll probably win their first two games, but I could see them losing the first two as well.
1: uh do you want to ask Wait, do you want to uh, ask me right now how I feel about the first two? Yeah, coin flips, both of them. Sunday's a total coin flip game and i and and again and I said this yesterday, it's the NFL. 20 to 25 teams every year. You have no idea. And Washington's in that group this year. And they're usually in that group. They're not a good team. They're not a terrible team. They're in that group where if everything breaks right, they could have a decent season. And if everything breaks wrong, they could have a bad season. And I'd put Jacksonville into that conversation. There's a reason Washington's only a three-point favorite. They're probably not that much better than Jacksonville. And so... I think personally the first two games are coin flips. I think it would have been better for the league to schedule Houston and Atlanta for their first two games because those are two teams on their schedule later on in the year that really do on paper look legitimately like you know two of the three, four, five bad teams in the league. Right. I don't think Jacksonville and Detroit look like the bottom feeders that they ended up as last year. I don't, but do I think they're good teams? No, but I'm not sure Washington's a good team. So I think both of these games are total coin flips, and 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 a three point spread would indicate that in most cases. But Washington actually doesn't get the full fledged three points at home from the bookmakers. Right. Um, They get. They probably get two.
2: They play at Coast Town Field.
1: Right. So, Uh,
2: you know, but here's the one thing that's. That's a conflict with... And you're right about Ron Rivera. His teams usually finish strong uh, traditionally. If there's going to be a problem with Carson Wentz, it'll be a slow-developing virus. Okay? I don't think it's going to happen early. I think, like, the Carson Wentz issue, if there is one, will take time to develop over the course of the year. It, It seems like in other places he's played... To know Carson Wentz is not to love Carson
1: Wentz. That's that's a good segue because that's where we're going next. I want to play when we come back something Ron Rivera said about Carson Wentz, and then I want us to react to that and talk about what we think and what we're expecting from Carson Wentz this year. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
2: Our stadium we've uh, dramatically upgraded we're, we're encouraging everybody to come to uh see all the changes we've done uh, to the stadium this year i think it'll be quite impressive we're gonna have some uh, uh big time attendance shortly as uh, our staff uh, our leadership team jason wright and uh trista and the team have, have done an amazing job so I, I, I uh we're very very optimistic also on the season uh we we finally uh have ourselves a quarterback so uh but uh I wanted to say uh, thanks to everyone. I re- really, truly appreciate this.
1: That was Dan Snyder, remember, Tommy, back in August when he was addressing the Maryland Gaming Commission for the sportsbook license at, for, for FedEx Field. Uh, and he said, you know, talking about, you know, a, b- a better stadium and big-time attendance shortly. And then he said, we finally have ourselves a quarterback. Well, Ron Rivera was asked yesterday, um about carson wentz uh and about feeling different going into this season with carson wentz at quarterback and here's what the head coach said
0: well i I think we have a a a quarterback i do i I think we have a guy that can help us i mean not to say we didn't have some quality quarterbacks Uh, again you know we 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 did some pretty good things with when we had alex smith playing for us you know I, i thought that was a great job by him and and again I thought last year Taylor did the things that he needed to do to help us but I, I think we have a guy that we can we can now you know establish and, and rally around and build off of um, which is what we tried to do in the in, in the offseason as far as making sure we had a you know stout offensive line to protect him and, and, and the playmakers and again I'll, I'll always refer to that because I, I think that's what you have to do and now in our circumstances in our situation I, I think we have a guy that you know we can establish and and build around
1: so there you go i mean everybody's on board they finally have a quarterback tommy um the coach saying well i think we've got a quarterback i think we've got a guy that can help us uh he said other things too in that answer um but that's what this season is about this season is about carson wentz and then You know, basically the decision that Ron Rivera and the organization made to acquire him. That's what this season's about more than anything else. You can, we can identify storylines. Will the defense be better? Is Jack Del Rio going to make it through, you know, the first half of the season? Is Chase Young going to come back and Jamin Davis play, et cetera, et cetera? This is Carson Wentz and the decision to acquire Carson Wentz, number one, and everything else distant to that in terms of the number one storyline of the year and they all seem to be re- really confident so far without a game being played
2: you know his answer was was interesting because on one hand he's basically saying well we finally got a quarterback because we haven't had one before you know yeah and then he turns around and says "And says well you know Alex Smith was good and Taylor Heineke did a good job but now we have a guy that you know can establish and we can establish and rally around and build off, which is what we tried to do in the off season. Uh, you know, I mean, they didn't try to do that in other years, and they didn't. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it really is is it's really a disrespect to the other quarterbacks, no matter how he puts it. Uh, he's. Let's so cut- remember, there's bad blood between Alex Smith and Ron Rivera.
1: Right. Um. Well, he has kind of, you know, said this before, you know, that we have a quarterback. And look, their actions, Matt Stafford in 2021 and then the trade for Carson Wentz in 2022 and the big attempt for Russell Wilson in 2022. I mean, as I said all last year, their actions, you know, spoke louder than um, their words. And for for all the Taylor Heineke talk, they wanted – Matt Stafford. And I said during the season last year, and you'll find when this season ends, they're going to want somebody else. Um, And they did. I, I think that last part that you picked up on is also an interesting part because he has said this many times before, too. He said, we've, we've got, you know, I, I think we have a guy that we can now, you know, establish and rally around and build off of, which is what we tried to do in the offseason as far as making sure we had a stout offensive line to protect him um, and the playmakers. Uh, and, you know, that he has said that now multiple times during the summer. And I just want to remind everybody this is important. Because they went out in the offseason after having a terrible defensive team last year. And almost all of their emphasis in the offseason was on the offense. Okay. And why was it on the offense? And I'm not talking about the Carson Wentz move, which obviously is the number one move. They drafted Jahan Dotson. Okay. They 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 drafted Brian Robinson Jr. in the third round. Uh, they went. They they you know revamped their offensive line because they they certainly weren't going to franchise tag Sheriff again. The Eric Flowers thing was a bit of a of a surprise, but they loved Leno. They re-signed him. They brought in Turner. They brought back Schweitzer, I- I Lucas, etc. Um, they his they tell you that they are much better at quarterback, but then they tell you they're not so good that they can't have. Um, you know, anything but a, 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 an A-level supporting cast, which, by the way, is not criticism because most quarterbacks need that. But they're admitting that he's better than Heineke and Alex Smith, which I agree with, but he's not the Carson Wentz that maybe some of you are hoping for, the 2016 version, that becomes a top-10-ish kind of quarterback, that you can have carry the team. no. They added Dotson. They knew they were getting Samuel back. They added Brian Robinson Jr., even though we're not going to see him for the first four games. They, they drafted a tight end, you know, that they really liked, another tight end. They are putting the supporting cast around him to give him the best chance to succeed because they believe he's not the kind of guy that can carry the team. And then on top of that, they need him to succeed because this is about the decision they made to acquire him so all of their emphasis is about making and giving car making it work giving Carson Wentz the best chance to succeed cuz if he does in this sport then they will be better than worse more likely than not and they'll look great for the acquisition and and they're they're doubling down on a defense that was a year ago supposed to be the 85 Bears and ended up being one of the worst defenses in the entirety of the NFL. They don't have Chase Young. They don't have a linebacker of note. And they didn't add anything. They, it was a net loss yeah. defensively, losing Settle and Ionitis, and gaining basically Phil Mathis in the second round. I mean, they, they had to bring back John Bostick for crying out loud. I, I know they love him. I know. But, you know, the last time we saw him as a player. He was a good coach, more yeah. than he was a player.
2: <laughs> now, let me ask you this, to really take the, uh, uh, the car off the rails again, to a subject that I like to do. Uh, would nine wins be a good year?
1: Definitely. That's my, that's my okay. best case. So, yes.
2: Okay. So, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. If Taylor Heineke had Logan Thomas last year and a healthy Curtis Samuel— Against a tougher schedule, would he have won two more games last
1: year? You're doing this Sabah thing, um, where you're and you have you have an ulterior motive, and that is you think Taylor Heineke, you know, was good enough, and you think that there's not much of an upgrade with Wentz over Heineke. And I'm not going to sit here and debate you on that because you might ultimately be right that Wentz is you know a shell of his former self, and what we saw at the end of the year last year. But his ceiling is much higher than Heineke's. The answer is, yeah, they had a much tougher schedule last year um, and they faced all of these great quarterbacks. And then over – and, and, and Tommy, they should have been 0-8. They were much closer to being 0-8 than they were 2-6 and 6 at the bye week. Remember, Dexter Lawrence jumped off sides on Hopkins' missed right. field goal against the Giants. And Taylor Heineke threw a balloon up into the air, into the end zone at Atlanta, that Terry McLaurin made an unbelievable play on to catch. I mean, it was a first-down balloon that brought rain into the end zone. And so they beat Atlanta. They were c- very close to being an 0-8 football team. Very close. Much closer to being 0 and 8 than 4 and 4, because all of the other losses were pretty, you know, one sided beatdowns. Now, the Chargers game. Your
2: Honor, please, Your Honor, please direct the witness to answer <laughs> to the, the question. question.
1: No, they would not have been the 9 8. The question is, no? No. That's interesting. Well, let me just, okay. let me tell you why. Because you're, you're saying last year with Logan Thomas, and by the way, you should throw in J.D. McKissick because they lost him too, yeah. and that was a big miss. And you can throw in yeah. if they didn't have all the COVID cases, right, uh, for the Philadelphia yeah. game that they played on a Tuesday night. Um, the, the, they had a four-game winning streak, and they had beaten Tampa, and they went to, on the road and beat a Carolina team that wasn't very good, and then they beat a Seattle team that was really struggling. Um, And almost blew that lead. And then they beat a Raiders team in fortunate fashion when, you know, Trayvon Morrig, their outstanding safety from TCU, dropped a ball on the final drive that Taylor Heineke put right between his numbers that he dropped that allowed uh, the kicker from um, Gonzaga, uh, what was his name, uh, to come on and kick a a game-winning field goal. They played well. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. They played well, and Taylor played well, but really it was Gibson. It was ball control. They took the pressure off Heineke, and they won four games in a row. Then they came back to play Dallas in what was a big game, it, You know, kind of for this team, at 6-6. Six and, six. and the final score was not indicative. Just like the Chargers game early in the year wasn't indicative. They were getting beat 27-8 to eight in the fourth quarter with six minutes to go in the game. 27 to eight they got destroyed by Dallas even though they got the ball back with a chance because that fluky you know Prescott terrible throw that Cole Holcomb uh, returned. Um, both Philly games were winnable games that could have gotten yes, they them were. that could have gotten them to eight wins uh, that could have gotten them to nine wins. But I don't think they would yeah. have won both of them, and they weren't going to beat Dallas on the road. I mean, they lost that game 56 to 14. There were a lot of, you know, extenuating circumstances. There was the tragedy with Montez Sweats family, there was all the COVID cases, there was the short week, et cetera. But Dallas was just flat out better. So I think they would have won another game or two and ended up, you know, a game or two short of the postseason.
2: Well, another game or two the 2
1: would give them 9 wins. Um yeah, the the another 2 would have given them 9. That's right. So I'm saying so I, I let me let me um let me, let me let me uh retract. Uh one win. They would have gotten one more. They would have beaten Philadelphia okay. once. Okay. Cuz they almost I did. I
2: witness your honor.
1: They almost did. But like you're it. doing the thing Sabah does in protecting Heineke. Like this morning, she called in and she said, "Well, my best case is 13 wins. I mean, you got Carson Wentz. You've been telling us how great Carson Wentz is. The team has, and they got a much easier schedule, and they added all these offensive weapons, and they're getting some of them She's back. Got, a point. So She's they got better, a point. So they better. So they better win 13." Or, or, you know, they, they should have saved the, the trade uh, p- picks and, and, the, and the salary cap space and started Heineke again. That's really not the point of this. The point of this is you're trying to get better and you're trying to find a high-ceiling guy. So, and, that, and Carson Wentz has a much higher ceiling than Heineke. I don't know if he'll reach it again, but Heineke's ceiling, we pretty much know what it is. It's as a backup quarterback for a team that might win 7, 8, or in your scenario there, 9 games. They're never going to contend for anything. He's Colt McCoy. Sorry to upset your favorite player.
2: But they're not going to contend for anything with Carson Wentz
1: either. I don't think they will, but, but there is the possibility that Carson Wentz has physically, with his physical abilities. And we've seen it. It's not like we haven't seen it. We saw it in 2016 and 2017. You know, at the end of 2017, it was like, my God, Philly is set for the next decade. They've got an elite quarterback. And I know that's five years ago. I recognize that, which is why I'm skeptical. I'm wait and see on Wentz. I'm not convinced, but I am am a believer that You have to have a guy that is, you know, top 10-ish, top half of the league-ish, worst case as a starter, which Heineke is not. That's not Heineke's ceiling. And Wentz's ceiling is that. And so you got to keep going for it until you find it. He may not be the right guy. In fact, I wouldn't bet on him being the right guy, the best long-term guy. But I know Heineke isn't. Anything else, Your Honor?
2: Yeah, one other thing. What? Do they have the right guy on their roster at quarterback?
1: I don't think they do. I just said that. I I would, I would bet against Carson Wentz being the long-term answer.
2: No, that's not who I mean.
1: Oh, Sam Howell? Yeah. No, I don't think so. But, okay. I'll, tell you, but I'll tell you one thing. Okay. There were a lot of guys on Saturday that looked really, really good. And I mentioned this guy yesterday. If Anthony Richardson from Florida is somehow available in next year's draft when Washington is on the clock, sign me up. That guy looks like Patrick Mahomes. Um, he, he, uh, a lot of you uh, reached out to me to say he was a projected first-rounder in some mock drafts, and now he's into the first round of every mock draft. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year he is a top-ten selection. In next year's draft, uh, there were a lot of quarterbacks that impressed over the weekend. I um, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to end with this. Francis Tiafo beat Nadal yesterday in the fourth round at the U.S. Open. Um, I've kind of from afar followed the Tiafo career because he's from here. Some of you know that. For those of you that don't, he is a product of the JTCC Tennis Complex out in College Park. Um, it's a complex that was built, you know, more than a decade ago uh, and has produced some really good players, none better than Tiafo. But Tiafo's story is such an interesting one. His parents emigrated from Sierra Leone. His father was part of the construction project to build that facility in College Park and then was hired to be a custodian at that facility. His mother was working two jobs. They lived in Hyattsville, but they also lived in the facility itself. The father was a custodian. They gave the father a room, and sometimes Francis and his twin brother slept at the facility, and they started to pick up tennis rackets, and when everybody else had gone, they started hitting balls in the facility because that's where they were. That's where, where dad worked, and that's where they sometimes slept, and somebody took notice and said, this kid, both of them have talent. His twin brother played at Damatha and then ended up playing college tennis at Salisbury. And Francis immediately was recognized as a true prodigy and sent down to Florida to develop into a potential professional player. Liz Clark wrote a great story about Tiafo eight years ago in 2014. And I remember when she wrote the story and I read it and I called her and I said, wow. We got somebody to follow here because he had gotten like a wild card entry into the D.C. tournament, you know, down at 16th and Kennedy. Right. And he's been now on the tour for several years. He's been in the top 30-ish, top 20-ish area for a few years. He's gotten to quarter quarterfinals before, but yesterday was the marquee win of his career, beating Nadal at the U.S. Open in the round of, uh, of 16 to get to the quarterfinals, there's no Djokovic left. There's no Nadal left. There is Kyrgios, who I think is going to win this thing. But tiafo has got a legitimate chance to continue to advance. Now, it's kind of wide open now on the men's side, but he wore Nadal down. Both of his parents were in the box. He acknowledged them. He, he gave a great post-match speech. Bradley Beal was in the box. He is a DMV guy. He's a DC sports fan. He's a Commanders fan. Uh, he's a big Wizards fan. Bradley Beal's his favorite player, and Beal was in the box yesterday. Uh, something to root for the rest of the way in this U.S. Open.
2: Look, I think it'd be great to have an American man presence uh, at the top of of of, uh, of the game of tennis, and particularly one with uh, one with local connections. I think it'd be great. I would love it.
1: Great story. I, I that that's a column for you. If he keeps keeps advancing, right?
2: Okay, boss. I did know you were my editor. <laughs> I love when
1: you do this. My favorite part is when I suggest editor. something to you versus when you take something from the show that I said and turn it into a column. It's much different, though, when I actually suggest it to you. Then you get real defensive. Okay, boss. Yeah. Sorry. This is journalism. Uh, I've got real editors. I've got real ideas, people. And yet, many of your columns over the years have come out of the conversations that we've had on this very podcast or the radio show before.
2: So, yeah. Well, sometimes you are sometimes you are accidentally
1: perceptive. <laughs> oh, really? It's accidental. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, thank you for that great compliment. Uh, all right. Yes. I got nothing else, boss. Do you?
2: Nothing else, buddy.
1: On Thursday, we'll have all of our predictions. So be prepared for Thursday. You know, we need a a prediction for the the divisions, for the playoff teams, for the Super Bowl, and lots of commanders season predictions as well. Uh, We'll do that on Thursday. I am back with you tomorrow. Have a great day.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.